0: Our world is marked by the unknown, despair, failure, and brokenness. But that isn't the end of our story. Into this brokenness, God has woven a thread of hope. This thread winds through the scriptures, through history, and through our very lives, leading us to Jesus. In Jesus, we have hope in the face of the unknown. In Jesus, we have hope in the face of despair. In Jesus, we have hope in the face of failure. In Jesus, we have hope in the face of brokenness. In Him, we have a reason to hope, a living hope, a hope that does not disappoint. In Jesus, we have hope. All right. I love that picture there of a thread of hope throughout scripture and how it impacts our lives. This morning we are starting our Advent series, which we're calling A Thread of Hope, and our series is going to be coming to us from the genealogy found in Matthew chapter 1. Feel free to turn there, grab your Bible if you don't already have it with you, and turn over to Matthew chapter 1. Now, as you're flipping to our text this morning, let me ask you a question. Who here appreciates a well-crafted story? Now, I admit, it's kind of a silly question. I don't think anybody's going to say, no, I really enjoy a poorly written story. Of course, we all appreciate a story that's been well-crafted. I personally love it when an author has this rich, nuanced plot, a story that they've clearly thought through from beginning to end. And little details that seemed like meaningless bits of information at the beginning of the story turned out to be actually important details later on. And as you reach the end of the story, you realize the author has been cleverly and thoughtfully bringing us along to this moment. The story didn't stumble its way accidentally to this point. It was skillfully guided here by a talented author. Now, as you're in Matthew chapter 1, you'll notice just by looking down at the page that it's primarily a genealogy. So let me ask you another question. Who enjoys a good genealogy? Doesn't a list of names like this just kind of pull you in? Maybe you're the type of person who likes to uh, brew a fresh cup of coffee, curl up on the couch with the first nine chapters of 1 Chronicles. Probably not a lot of us in that camp, right? Usually when we encounter a genealogy, our eyes kind of glaze over, our, our minds tune out, and we're not even sure what we're reading after a few verses. But these genealogies are anything but useless information. Turns out they're important parts of God's story. And as we reach the birth of Jesus, we realize God, the author of human history, has been cleverly and thoughtfully bringing us along to this moment. Human history didn't just stumble its way to this point, it was skillfully guided here by the hand of a sovereign God. These genealogies are evidence of the thread of hope God weaves through the scripture. Now, our world is marked by a lot of heavy things. When sin entered the world, it brought with it a fear of the unknown. It brought despair, failure, brokenness. But like we saw earlier, this isn't how our story ends, is it? Into this brokenness, God has woven a thread of hope. It's a thread that winds through the scriptures, it winds through history, through our very eyes, our very lives, leading us right to Jesus. And it's in him that we have the hope that we see this morning. We have this living hope, a reason to hope, a hope that doesn't disappoint. And the genealogy found here in Matthew chapter one is so much more than just a list of names. It's a look at the thread of hope that God weaves through human history. So during our series, we're going to look at four different particular individuals, Abraham, Rahab, Bathsheba, and Zerubbabel. What did hope look like for them? How did they find uh, the hope of God in their lives? How can we learn from their example? And how did they point us to the ultimate hope that we have in Jesus? Now, as we get started, let's read through the chapter and then we'll circle back to Abraham together and give me a little grace as I try to pronounce all these names. Matthew chapter one, if you haven't turned there already, now'd be the time to do so. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar, Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amminadab. Amminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Solomon. Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her, who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah, and Abijah Asa. Asa begot Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzziah. Uzziah begot Jotham, Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh begot Ammon, and Ammon begot Josiah. Josiah begot Jeconiah and his brothers about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel, and Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abiud, Abiud begot Eliakim, and Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Akim, and Eicham begot Eliad. Eliad begot Eliezer, Eleazar begot Matthan, and Matthan begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations, and from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Jesus, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the thread of hope. That isn't just a clever sermon title or sermon series, but it's a reality that you have woven through human history that you weave into our lives. It's a reality that you want us to know today and understand today, appropriate into who we are, the way we live, the way we approach things. And we pray that as we're studying your word, that you would speak to us and that we would see this isn't just an abstract idea for someone else, but it's your truth to us today. Help us see ourselves in the pages and understand what you're saying to us and how to apply it. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, first up in our series is Abraham, uh, the first name on this particular genealogical table. And there really is a lot that Abraham can teach us about hope as his life was marked by the unknown. That's the idea we wanna pursue today, hope in the face of the unknown. And I wanna highlight a few instances from his life and see what we can learn. Now, when we first meet Abraham, God is calling him to leave his homeland And go to a place he doesn't know. In Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, we read, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you... All the families of the earth shall be blessed. What a crazy call this was. Now, we know how the story unfolds, so this call doesn't jolt us the way that it should. It doesn't really shock us or scare us in any sort of way. But can you imagine being in Abraham's shoes? God has just called him into the unknown. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13 eight, make sure that we don't miss this fact, when it recounts this and kind of recalls this instance saying, and he went out, that is, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. God in this moment has called Abraham to step into the unknown. And that's hard, isn't it? That's difficult. Let's be honest. The unknown, it scares us. And I'm not talking about the little stuff like, I'm not really sure what I should have for lunch today. Do I want Mexican, Thai, burgers? I don't know. I'm not really talking about that type of thing. I'm talking about the big stuff. I don't know if I'm gonna have this job in a few months. I don't know if my marriage is gonna survive this difficult stretch we're in right now. I don't know if my loved one's health is ever gonna get better. I don't know if my kids are going to come back to a walk with God. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life as I get older and grow up. And if we're honest, these types of unknowns, they scare us. To one degree or another, all of us, were planners at heart. We all want some level of control over our lives. We all want the ability to remove elements of unknown that scare us. And what we don't like to admit is that we can't. Too much of life is outside of our control. We can't see into the future. There's so much about our current situation that we can't change. The unknown will always mark our lives no matter how much we wish it wouldn't. But here's the thing. God knows this. He knows the unknown scares us. And he wants us he wants you to have hope. He wants to give us hope. And we can learn what hope in the face of the unknown looks like as we consider Abraham. Now, one of and perhaps the first uh, lesson that we'll look at this morning is Abraham's response to God's call. After God has called Abraham, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, verse 4 says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Simply put, Abraham did what God told him to do. And here's the takeaway lesson obedience is a powerful response to the unknown. Let me just say that again obedience. Is a powerful response to the unknown. When we obey God in the face of the unknown, we're offloading all of the unknown onto His shoulders. He's responsible for what we can't see, what we don't understand, what's way out in front that we have no idea is there. He's responsible for the things outside of our control, and we obey Him through faith. And you know, I see this with my kids all the time. I'll ask them to do something, say, hey, put on your socks and shoes. Let's hop in the car. Now, for them, this is a call to the unknown because kids don't actually pay attention to their parents. They've missed the 700 times I told them earlier in the day that we'd be running some errands in the afternoon. So they ask, why? Where are we going? What are we doing? What shoes should I wear? What socks should I wear? Is my brother coming too? They have all these questions, for them, they've been called into the unknown and it could all be addressed and answered simply by obeying. They don't really have to know where we're going. They don't have to know how long we'll be gone. They don't need to know what we'll do after that. They don't have to be responsible for any of those things. I'm going to take care of that stuff. I know where we're going and what we're doing. I'll take care of them if they'll simply obey. Now I understand that's a simple illustration. The stakes are pretty low in that scenario. Obviously, in Abraham's story, the stakes are much, much higher. He was moving his family away from a land they called home. They were leaving their families behind. This was a huge step of faith expressed through his obedience. And that obedience offloaded all the responsibility onto God's shoulders. God was now responsible for what was ahead. All the unknown of the place that they were going to, the provision for his family, the future that was in store for them, all of that unknown, it was in God's hands to deal with. And Abraham simply needed to obey. Now this may seem like I'm oversimplifying something, that I'm reducing life and its complexities just to this one idea, this one note, but I don't think it is. This really isn't an oversimplification, it's just getting to the heart of the matter, The safest path through the unknown is obedience. Through our obedience, we put our hope in God and we walk forward with him. So Abraham, he departed as the Lord had spoken to him. He obeyed. And this obedience, this hope, marked so much of Abraham's life. From the very beginning, we see him walking in obedience, hoping in God in the face of the unknown. Abraham is called the father of faith for good reason, but Abraham wasn't perfect. Like us, there were gaps in his obedience. There were times when Abraham failed spectacularly and there were times where he failed quietly. Abraham was just like us. His obedience and the track record wasn't a perfect record. Abraham got, called, excuse me, God called Abraham to a land of promise, but it wasn't a land without problems. Notably, there were seasons of drought that seemed to threaten the survival of Abraham's very family. On more than one occasion, Abraham would leave the land of promise and go down to the nation of Egypt because it seemed like the thing to do. He was faced with the unknown. How will I keep my family and household alive? I don't know that we're going to make it in these conditions. But instead of walking in obedience and trusting the hope that God offered to him, Abraham leaves the land and goes down to Egypt. He left the hope that God offered to him and went to the hope that he thought he could find in this world. And in doing so, he caused nothing but problems. Abraham put his wife at risk. Abraham and his family lived a lie. He asked his wife to go along with this living lie. And it was probably on that first trip to Egypt that an Egyptian servant woman, Hagar, was brought into Abraham's household. We'll see how that's going to cause problems later in Abraham's story. Abraham, a man known for his faith, failed in that very same area. In the face of the unknown, this time, Abraham leaves the hope offered by God, just like we're prone to do. But even as I consider that, even as we think through that in these instances in Abraham's life, there's a bit of hope there. There's a bit of hope that we can see even as we consider our own lives. None of us are perfect, are we? None of us perfectly navigate through the unknown that fills our lives. Oftentimes we react out of fear. We have weak faith and faltering obedience, just like we see in Abraham, and yet Abraham's name is still found in this thread of hope that we find here in Matthew chapter one. He wasn't kicked out of God's kingdom and removed from God's plan. And likewise, when we fail and falter in our faith and obedience, God doesn't scratch our names out of his plans. He doesn't kick us out of his kingdom. Abraham may show us the beauty of clinging to God's hope by faith, but he also shows us God's grace in the face of failure. When God called Abraham, it wasn't because Abraham was perfect. It was because God was and is gracious. God is merciful. And when we fail in the face of the unknown, God picks us up and stands us back up on our feet. Paul put it this way in 2 Timothy 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And I hope that's an incredible encouragement for you this morning. Not only seeing the the bar that Abraham sets for us, this challenge to live in faith, but also realizing that grace is there when we stumble and fail. You know, as this happens over time, we see God's grace and mercy. We learn that we can trust God in the face of the unknown. We learn it through obedience and we learn it through failure, that God is trustworthy in the face of the unknown. The hope that he offers to us is a hope that doesn't disappoint. Hebrews chapter 6 compares the hope God offers to us as an anchor for our souls, describing it as an anchor that's sure and steadfast. And over time, we test that anchor. We learn that it really is strong and trustworthy. And so this enables us to trust the hope that God offers in the face of more and more unknown. It may not be fun, but there's a confidence within us that's been built through experience. We have proven God to be faithful through time and experience. And that brings us to the part of Abraham's life where his faith is most notably tested. And that's found in Genesis chapter 22. It's the greatest test that Abraham ever faced. All the lessons of those previous unknowns come to a head in Genesis chapter 22. If you're familiar with the chapter, you know exactly what's coming. You know exactly what's about to confront Abraham. And if you're not familiar with Genesis chapter 2: uh, 22, I'll just quickly set the stage and encourage you to read on your own. And really, you should read beginning in chapter 20, or excuse me chapter 12, and, and just follow the storyline up to chapter 22 to really understand the weight of this moment. Going back into Abraham's life. One of the unknowns that he faced was a lack of a child. Now, this can be a painful thing all on its own, but it carried even more tension because God had promised to make Abraham the father of a great nation. And it's hard to be the father of a great nation when you're not even the father of one kid. And so Abraham waits. The years pass. And finally, after 20 plus years of waiting, 20 plus years of the unknown in the face of this promise, God answers. God is faithful to his word and gives Abraham and his wife, Sarah, a son, their son, Isaac. And Isaac was a treasure. He was this longed for son that they had been now given. And he brought joy and laughter into their lives. Isaac was a dream come true. And then comes Genesis chapter 22. The chapter opens with this shocking command from God that Abraham is to take his beloved son Isaac and offer him as a burnt offering to God. Now, the plot twist is, and I'll spoil it here, is that God never intended for Abraham to actually offer uh, Isaac as a sacrifice. Human sacrifice was and is an abomination to God. So God is going to stop Abraham before he can ever actually sacrifice Isaac. In his place, he'll provide a ram that they can offer. On this side of the events, we know all of that. We know that God had something else in mind as Abraham reached their destination in Genesis chapter 22. But again, Abraham didn't. As this story is happening in real time, Abraham doesn't know that God has something else in mind. He didn't know that God would stop him just before he brings down the knife. He didn't know about the ram that was going to be provided in Isaac's uh, place. He didn't know any of this. And I can only imagine that Abraham was surrounded by the darkest cloud of unknown that he had ever experienced. When the command of God comes to him, saying to take his son and offer him as a sacrifice, I can only imagine how this unmoored him from all of what he had pictured of God's plans unfolding this was not how he saw things happening but here's the cool thing as Abraham perhaps felt unmoored and maybe adrift in the middle of God's plans the anchor that he had learned to trust over time it held fast The hope offered by God in the face of the unknown proved once again to be sure and steadfast. Abraham had learned this over time, and now when he needs it the most, the anchor holds fast. So let me ask you a question. Have you found God to be faithful? When a dark, painful unknown enters your life, Have you found the hope of God to be sure and steadfast? Have you learned through your personal experience that God can be trusted and that his hope doesn't disappoint? It's one thing to observe it in the life of another. It's another thing for us to learn it ourselves, to be connected to that anchor in our own lives. And this is our challenge, isn't it? Life throws so many unknowns at us, our health. We don't know what's gonna happen in these coming season. Our job, it's unknown, there's instability there. I don't know, maybe a, a global pandemic throws the whole world in upheaval for a year. There's a lot of unknown in our lives, but through it all, God is faithful. He offers us a hope that's alive, a hope that's available to us in every season that we face. If we give him the opportunity, God will show himself faithful. Of course, the ultimate expression of God's hope and provision for us is in his son Jesus. As we read here in our chapter Matthew chapter 1, the thread of hope that includes Abraham, it leads us to Jesus. We mentioned in passing that we have a hope that doesn't disappoint. And all this hope, it isn't theoretical. It's not just talking points for a sermon or a great idea for an Advent series. Our hope is real. Our hope has substance because the person and work of Jesus is real. The brokenness that humanity has brought into God's creation, it's answered in Jesus. As soon as sin entered the world, we see God weaving in this thread of hope. He's woven it through human history. He's woven it through the scriptures, and he wants to weave it into your life and mine. There's a thread of hope here for me and for you, and it's found in Jesus. So how can you look to him in the face of the unknown that marks your life? I want to encourage you in just a few short thoughts as we begin to wrap up. First of all, I want to encourage you to look for the promises and principles that are expressed in scripture that deal with your situation. Look for how God's word speaks to your situation and say, Lord, how can I be obedient to these promises and principles? I wanna encourage you to find a few people who will help you take your situation to God in prayer, who will stand there with you and say, look, Jesus is our hope. Let's bring these things to him. Just like kids offloading uh, the unknown to their dad or their parents, you and I can offload the unknown to Jesus in prayer. Find a few people who will help you walk in obedience, who happen to know your situation, and they'll say, hey, you know what to do. I want to encourage you to walk in that. And they'll check in with you and say, hey, how's it going? Are you walking in what God has put before you? Remember, the simplest path through the unknown is obedience. Let's make it our aim to seek first the kingdom of God and trust that He'll enable us to walk through the unknown that surrounds our lives. In closing, let me just read a a short passage from Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five, verses three through eight, we read, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The hope God extends to us, even in the face of the unknown, it does not disappoint. We have hope because God loves us and has proven that love by giving us Jesus. And so as you and I begin to head towards Christmas, I hope that each one of us finds the holiday to be a tangible reminder that God has offered us hope. Hope that every song, every ornament, even every ugly sweater you see across the Christmas season reminds us of God's provision of hope. Hope for the world and hope for us personally. Let's close in prayer together as we wrap up our study. Father, thank you for a living hope that does not disappoint. A hope that's been proven and a hope that we can prove in our lives by trusting you. Lord, I want to pray for those specifically who need that reminder that this hope is real and living and that in their season of unknown right now that you would be present with them and that there would be tangible reminders that you're walking through the season with them even if they don't see a path through or understand how it all completes, that they would know that you're faithful. Strengthen them, strengthen each one of us, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.